Hi, my name is Ozzy Jurok and I'm the host of OzBuzz, uh, the quirky way of looking at the world and particularly the world of real estate and some people in it. We're very lucky to have with us today Nick Witka, a community builder on Vancouver Island. He's an award-winning builder and we like to pick his brains as to how to develop, how to build, but most of all we're interested, you know, how did you start? Good afternoon, Ozzy. I uh, was actually born with a hammer in my hand. <laughs> and uh, I'm uh, actually a uh, grade nine student that went to work in the uh, construction industry, working with my dad. And after uh, that, we moved from Westlock, Alberta to uh, Duncan, BC. Quite a change huh? from Alberta into BC. Into Dramatic change. We uh, traveled by car with my three other siblings and put all our furniture and whatever in a big rail car. We had a Christmas just after a Christmas party and a going away party and it was minus 30. <laughs> I remember vividly because I snuck out for a smoke and I lit the cigarette and I think I only had two drags on the cigarette. It was and, too uh, cold. <laughs> it was too damn cold. <laughs> so uh, coming to uh, Duncan and the grass is green. Yeah. It's like 68, 70 degrees. <laughs> and Dad had bought a brand new house in a, uh, a subdivision in Duncan. And as we're driving by in the subdivision, there is two girls, teenage girls, in bikinis <laughs> on lounge chairs. So from 30 minus... To, yeah. you know, a Fahrenheit of 70 degrees. Yeah. So I asked my dad, how far is our new house from here? And he says, oh, it's just around the corner. So I got to tell you the first thing I did. I jumped out of the car and ran over and introduced myself as <laughs> the new neighbor. <laughs> Yeah, so then you realized uh, your dad made the right move to, to go to Vancouver Island. There was no doubt about yeah. it. And, you know, at that time, uh, I didn't understand or comprehend his vision. And uh, we started to build houses in uh, Duncan. Uh, actually, my dad bought a sawmill just outside of Duncan. And it was a two-man operation. And it had a pond. So 52 acres, and we would dump the uh, logs in the pond and then have a chain conveyed up to the deck for the big saw. So Dad was a sawyer. I was the tails guy. <laughs> and uh, we actually built three houses out of the wood that uh, we sawed, and we had a plane around site. After the three houses, I told Dad, I'm either going to quit or we're not doing this hard work. Yeah, There's more money much, in yeah. making in building houses than sawing the lumber. <laughs> so he said, well, then we'll have to sell it. So um, we did everything. I can uh, do plumbing, roofing, drywall, painting, uh, cabinetry. The only thing I could not do and won't do is electrical. Yeah, <laughs> that's something I've done a lot of renovation and nothing like you. You're a builder from the ground up. 
but I've done a lot of renovations in my life and electric actually scared me. I thought, what if I put that blue wire on the green wire and it's supposed to be on the red wire? So, yeah. Exactly, because <laughs> it scares me too. Yeah. And you know, when it comes to plumbing, well, I always know that water runs downhill. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you got that, then you're fine. So. But I think partly when I look at what you build right now and the quality of the construction, that comes all from those early days, right? Because you had to do it. You had to pick up that hammer and the saw and you had to make mistakes, right? And, oh, and of that's, course. That's where the, the good stuff comes and, from. And, you know, times have changed. Uh, you know, when I started building, there was no uh, trusses. Right. Okay. Everything was hand cut, and right. I don't know how many people would know what a bird's mouth means yeah. in a rafter, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, the new uh, guys—they probably wouldn't understand that. Anyways, yeah. so, uh, but I did drywall, painting, insulation. Oh, I uh, hated drywall. It's oh. not the drywall; it's the sanding. It's of the, the dust. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the dust. dust. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But and so, how uh, long have you been self-employed then? So? Uh, out of my career. I've been self-employed all the years except for one year. Okay, that I worked for my dad and then I worked for another construction company because I knew too much with my dad. And, uh, you know, he said, best you go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the the thing is, uh, fathers and sons uh, can be very successful and uh, fathers can teach, but there comes a time when you maybe got to be on your own. Well, like you said, you, you know too much. So, you know, you, you go. <laughs> and uh, from there, I, uh, I decided after, I think it was a year and a half or so, to move back to Edmonton. And in those days, you could take the real estate course and write a multiple choice exam in the yeah. morning and you were uh, Johnny the realtor <laughs> in the afternoon. So that's what I did. And uh, I was... 22, 23 years old. I've always looked young for my age. So try, I lasted three months. I sold only one house. And every time I take people out, they would be my parents' age. And they would look at me like, you know, I've got one of those Baby. young babies at home. And what do you know sort of thing? So after that, I packed that in and entered a ad with Karen Holmes. They were a large... Uh, builder out of Saskatchewan, but uh, they were Edmonton, Calgary, Saskatoon, and Regina. And in Edmonton, uh, they had four project managers, and they were turning out 400 houses a year. So I, I was hired to be the, they call it the cleanup carpenter. It's basically you go in when the house is uh, completed and do little deficiency, and I use my white gloves for that. Yeah. After about three weeks, my project manager was on holidays, and the boys came in from Regina and promoted me. And you at got that thrown in, and it worked. I got thrown in, and I learned things that I never knew. Yeah. And uh, what I uh, they used to have a bonus system. If you could do twenty-five houses every quarter, under budget and uh, on time and you had to use the same material suppliers, the same sub-trades as the other three yeah. guys, then uh, you got the money. Well, the first three months I kind of fumbled around, and then I learned that Saturday and Sundays, I was single, yeah. Saturday and Sundays I go and look at every yeah. house and write down what needs to be done that week. 
because during the week all he did was fight fires. Yeah, okay. that's right. It's and true, he couldn't yeah. organize, you yeah, know. Yeah. And, you know, and it's he, one thing to be busy, but it's another thing if you're just busy fighting fires. Well, exactly. So that's where I learned to plan ahead. And the second term, I took all the money. Yeah. <laughs> because what I did was I talked to all the sub-trades, and I says, I'll share my bonuses yeah, with you. I don't want smart. the money. Right. I just share. You want to you And yeah, we cleaned up. <laughs> and I, so then I uh, go back and uh, ask my uh, the general manager for a raise, and he, you know, he says, "Well, you're the rookie. You know, there's guys that've been in working for this company for 15 years, and uh, you know, we can't do that." And as he finishing his sentence, I give him my resignation. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how you got on your own. So yeah. what's the biggest thing that made you successful once you're on on your own? You know, the biggest thing at Karen's, I knew how to schedule, mm -hmm. and I didn't know that before, right? Because now we've got 25 houses. What happened on uh, June the 7th, 1977, changed my life. What happened? I cut these two fingers off oh. on a table saw. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, was, I'm right-handed, and I handle screws uh -huh. and nails, with, and... I've only got sensitivity about maybe 50% and yeah. they don't bend all the way. And I went back to work and I was frustrated as ever because I couldn't do what I used to yes, do. Sure. Yeah. So I uh, decided that I'm going to find some work and hire some guys and we'll you see how it goes. Yeah. Well, the rest is history. The rest is history. <laughs> and but you had that seasoning, you had, you know, that uh, when you talk about uh, scheduling, particularly in building, if I got my drywall guys there and I haven't put the electrical away yet, then they just stand around. And I mean, the scheduling is absolutely vital. You know, you have to, under, you have to know your crew, right? You have yes. to know them. And so, and I guess that's, that, that's why you can build a, a good building. Right? Well, that's true. And the sub-trades have got to know that when they come, the place is ready. Right. Okay. You know, because and their time too, right? Well, of course. Uh, and if they've got to stand around and yeah. clean the place up before they can do their trade, then uh, you know they're wasting their time, and uh, I insist that uh, once the sub trade is done, that he cleans up his own own mess, or otherwise, I uh, have this little job that I do on Saturdays, mm -hmm. and uh, I go around picking up lumber and stuff that isn't thrown away and sweep the floors, and then I back charge the sub trades a hundred dollars an hour. <laughs> so and that only happens once. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, so you went from the building of single-family houses and a, and a bunch of them. What was your first multi-family spec project that you did? It was in uh, 1979. It was a duplex lot on the corner. And there was, I can't remember exactly, but something kinky about the zoning. I had a private meeting with the mayor of Duncan and I pointed out the zoning uh, bylaw in reference to this piece of property and I suggested that you know according to this I can build a fourplex mm -hmm. and he agreed with me okay okay and that was my first multifamily but that's part of it too you have to you know the appraiser says a piece of land you have to understand its highest and best use right 
and that's where the value is. And if oh. you can, can build a fourplex when you thought you could get a twoplex, that's found money. Just found money, exactly, and you doubled, you know. Yeah. So, and the interesting part is that was just at the start of the peak of the market. <laughs> okay. My test to do housing was I, my bank manager was so negative all the time, I've never done a deal with him, but I've learned that if he hesitated, just yeah. a little hesitation, well, it might work, uh, I had a winner. Yeah, yeah. And I was wanting to sell the units for 65,000, two bedroom <laughs> units, so 65,000. Okay, this knows, that's a long time ago. <laughs> yes, that is a long time ago. And he said, oh, I don't think you'll get 65. Well, we... The cheapest one we sold for was 95, the most expensive one was 117. Wow. Okay, and... So you caught the wave. We caught the wave, yeah. and and it's all timing. Yeah. It's, it's all timing. timing. Yeah. And it's funny, I, I wrote a book in 1998, and the title was Forget About Location, Location, because yeah. you could have bought in the perfect location, but you bought it at the wrong time, you lose your shirt. You buy it at the right time, you make a fortune. That's exactly, right. exactly. Yeah. But so you're, you're also in a bonded commercial construction. Uh, when did you get into that? I uh, actually <laughs> kind of tripped into that also. I had a fellow that was the um, second highest senior project manager for the Alberta government move to Crofton. And he would come in dressed in a suit with a briefcase to my office <laughs> and looking for a job. Yeah. And he was, he was a good carpenter also. And I, you know, I go over his resume, and you know, I'm just a little one-man show, yeah. you know. <laughs> but he was persistent, yeah. and I said, "Okay, I will give you a three-month trial." And you know, so we got some little bit of uh, small commercial work because he was he built the Terillium Museum and uh, mm. a prison and stuff like that. Okay. So, and he said, "The only reason I left the government is because I would never be number one." Because yeah. the guy was always too old. young, yeah. sort of thing, right? So, from that point on, we start bidding on jobs, and then we're getting into government jobs and and schools and stuff, and we need bonding. So exactly, how that? What does that mean? You have to post a bond, or you have to? How does that work? Uh, bonding is by uh, insurance companies, mm -hmm. and it's uh, the value of the bond, or the maximum value of the bond is to what your net worth is. Oh, okay. Okay, so, and there's ratios and whatnot. And we were good to 10 million yeah. for so bonding, okay? So the government insists, of course, that you... Oh, all, yeah. all government jobs yeah. are bonded, yeah. Yeah. all government jobs. So, and you know, we started with uh, smaller ones and uh, actually we uh, did a uh, fuller addition to the Fuller Lake Arena that was a municipal job, but did not require bonding, and it was just over a million bucks. That was my biggest job at the time, and uh, did it successful, and everybody was happy. And so uh, we built the Schmanis Theater, um, several schools, um, everything from a fish hatchery <laughs> to uh, a little dam on the uh, road to uh, Tofino because it. Um, Chris had connections, my project manager, he had connections with the uh, federal uh, federal government employees that looked after the Bank National Park, and the fellow looked after uh, 
the Tofino New Culet uh, Park area. So we had a connection there, and uh, uh, every job was interesting. And you know, I remember because we had the upstairs inner, uh, building, and it was strictly his office and estimating. Yeah. And in, in, in which those, is important. Oh, very yeah. important. Yeah. Very important. You know, and what I had on the wall was a dartboard, <laughs> <laughs> and we would do our costing. Yeah. So, and then we would look at who is bidding this job, how much work do they have? Yeah. Okay, are they going down right. dirty, or are they gonna? So I'm throwing darts at the wall, right, <laughs> <laughs> trying to make a decision. I, but that that dart throwing was based on your experience, and, and well, uh, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully, and uh, the one time um, the uh, bonds could go in by fax, and it would be a yeah. closing time, right, yeah. at 2 o'clock. Yeah. Well, we bid on a school, and the school fax got jammed up. Uh. So I phoned ahead saying that we can't get through. Can you just uh, exactly. give us a couple minutes, and we'll get it to you? Well. I wish I never was accepted that phone call because <laughs> I left about 800000 on the table wow. to the next bid, right? <laughs> and I'm going, oh my God, what did we forget, right? Yeah, and yeah. yeah, we did forget. The second bidder, and it was a bonded job. So I had this option of going with it and trying to yeah. cut my losses or give it give to the ahead. second bidder, yeah. but I would have to put up the 800 Oh. Okay, <laughs> to the bonding company. <laughs> So I decided I'm not going to do that. And the, the the second bidder was a bit of a jerk. He wanted to, uh, he wanted uh, my bid for five thousand bucks. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm going to sweat. Well, the work. thing is, you know, it's it's sometimes uh, we learn from a mistake. We learn uh, gives us a foundation to say that we never do again. It's okay to make mistakes. It's not okay to make the same one over and over again. Well, yeah, but uh, it's a painful one. Right? That, was, that was the worst one. Yeah. But you know, you have also an, an icon Holmes, uh, you know, prides itself, you know, as you mentioned on the superior workmanship and new, new, new home design. And you're also environmentally responsible. You, you, you have a, the practice that you have is green, right? Green is one of your favorite words now. And you have a, won a number of awards. I mean, you, you, you won the Vancouver Island just last year, the and I'm not pronouncing right, the Sequoia Lifestyle Home Project was an award of excellence. Yes. You know, that, that's, uh, that's really a feather in your cap now. Yes, and uh, it was built green and a 46-unit townhouse project. And uh, interesting enough, there was 13 other projects that were shortlisted, and we came on top. Fabulous. And, yeah. and nobody knew at, the, at that night because, yeah. the, you know, yeah, the right. envelope sort of thing. Sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. we... Big you know, in, in Duncan. Yeah. I mean, I'm competing with uh, yeah. everybody on Vancouver Island, right? Yeah. Victoria, no, especially. Oh, no. no, it's a real feather in your cap. But you it, it talks to to the pride that you take in your in your in your product. I know that you're building some townhouses, and you were telling me, I'm going to put in forced air heating. I'm going to do, you know, it cost a little bit more, right, per unit. Uh, yeah, six yeah, seven thousand dollars more. Yeah. So. So and so at that point, I knew that uh, I would catch good part of the market and then the market would uh, level off so I wanted to have a selling feature that nobody else had yeah. and be at the same price point yeah. thereabouts and well, it was also you had a, uh, a second office at one time and uh, 
Um, what type of construction did you do out of that second office? The spring of 1997, uh, I had to check my phone every morning to see if I had a dial tone because the phones weren't ringing. So I went to Alberta and had a particular interest in Sylvan Lake. So I had uh, bought half a dozen lots in Sylvan Lake for $18,000 each. <laughs> and it was like $1,000 down in the balance when the house was completed. And I, uh, before I came home, the realtor says, we have a young couple that uh, would like to talk to you and looking for a, a new home. And I said, well, I'm just going to fly back tonight. And he, he said, well, you know, hang out and uh, we'll come and we'll come and see them tomorrow. Well, so I went and met with, uh, with them after uh, their work hours and uh, on a piece of foolscap, I sketched out a house and put a price to it and uh, had a handshake. Yeah. And uh, those were the days. Those were the days <laughs> they could build and sell a house for I think it was one hundred twenty thousand, yeah. right? So, yeah. and from there it just grew and grew. And then I uh, transferred uh, Chris, the uh, fellow from Alberta, back to uh, uh, Airdrie, and uh, we set up an office there. And I commuted for seven and a half years, and wow. we we did only our own thing. I learned in the years previous that when you do custom work, it's it can be stressful. Yeah. So back in the days, I said, you know, I think uh, I'm going to have my own board meeting every morning, and I'm going to make a decision while I'm shaving whether we're going to paint it yellow or green. <laughs> and well, the thing is, and since you're building quality, that's probably. In Airdrie, in the uh, seven years, we built 160 units and uh, four uh, townhouse projects. So I had uh, built everything as spec. We had our own sales uh, salesman, and uh, in the Alberta market, you had to be uh, a builder, one of five builders, to be able to buy lots and sell houses, as the developer were uh, only selling to builders. So, um, from that point on, I could see the light at the end of the tunnel, and uh, I uh, moved the office. Well, I still kept the office in BC, but uh, I uh, started the uh, BC office ramping it up because uh, the market was turning there, and my first project was eight and a half acres and doing a subdivision of 53 homes. And I transferred my uh, project manager uh, back to, it was actually in Ladysmith. And since that time, I've just been doing my own projects. Yeah, and now you've done, in the last few years, done several large projects. Right? Yes, you've yeah. Built townhouse projects. Uh, is that your preference, building sort of uh, up and down townhouses? Or? My preference is uh, townhouses over uh, four or five story buildings. Uh, where townhouses you can phase it and if the market changes, yes. you're not stuck with the whole project. When because you, you have been in a market uh, where you know you had to wait to sell the last few units. Huh? Well, I've been in several markets and <laughs> yeah. uh, I was very fortunate. I've uh, 
there's been a few times that the water line was close to my nose yeah. <laughs> sort of thing. It and seems to be, when I talk to a lot of successful people, it seems to be in everybody's life that water line was close because, you know, the thing is we always talk about balance and all this, but you can't really do anything meaningful if you don't take a chance once in a while, get yourself out of balance, right? Or you're just simply caught by the market circumstances. Right? Well, you do everything right, but still get caught. But you try and balance it and, yeah. and you know, in the uh, good days, the banks lend you more money than yeah. you than you need, right? Yeah. I had one bank that was prepared to give me seven and a half million dollars for uh, Trumpeter Point, and all I needed was about four point five. Yeah, and that's, that's I said, no, no, you know. But when you really need it, then there isn't any. No, no, it's just like you know, in the summertime, the banks will give you an umbrella, and, yeah. and in, a, in a rainy day, they take it away from you. Yeah, yeah. well, that's a common complaint. You also went into sort of insurance restoration. Is, is that a sort of a separate business? Well, again, there was another accident happened. Uh, I'm single, living in a, a house, and I come back to uh, my house 4.30 in the winter time, and the dining room kitchen ceiling is on top of uh, my dining room table, and there's water everywhere, and it's on a concrete slab. so. I'm walking about two inches of water, and I'm going. Do I have insurance? How do how do you deal uh, with this? Yeah, yeah. Right. This yeah. was, you know, this was in the late '70s, and uh, the adjuster came out, and uh, there was nobody in Duncan that could do uh, water restoration. They could do the construction, but they didn't know how to. Uh, dry things and yeah. uh, take stains yeah. out and stuff like that. So they brought a Korean from Nanaimo and the adjuster said, well, do you want to do your own work? And I says, well, yeah, I love to because sure. uh, at night in the wintertime there's nothing else to do, right? right? So that's what I did. And then he realizes what kind of work I do. Yeah. And got more business. now we're getting more business. <laughs> and then from that point on, I got into the flood restoration. Before it was the fire, now it was a flood. So uh, I remember one winter, I can't remember exactly the year, I think it was 96. The, uh, when the tides hit about 12.5 to 13 feet in Duncan, wow. you're, we're flooding. And it was over 13 feet. And in front of my office is about a four foot ditch. And in that four foot ditch were salmon swimming. <laughs> So that's too much of a good thing. <laughs> that's too much of a good thing. But before that happened, uh, there was predictions out there that yeah. this was going to be bad. So uh, the equipment came out of Seattle, and what I did, I bought all the equipment that Seattle had. Yeah. Okay, and uh, yeah. had it shipped up. And at that point, nobody else could buy. It more equipment. You were the game in town. I, I was <laughs> renting equipment to other restoration yeah. companies. Yeah. So it, it worked out. Well it's sometimes, you know, again though, based on your experience and learning and, and going down maybe a blind alley once in a while, you also get, you develop, I think, a little bit of a fifth sense. And uh, so, I mean, you've been featured in, of course, in the Vancouver Island Papers and the Chamber of Commerce, and you also won this uh, Grand Vibe Award. What, what is that? The Grand Vibe is a vibe standing for Vancouver Island uh, Real Estate Board, and uh, it is a uh, the award is the best 
well, the Grand Award. It is the best award for anybody building on Vancouver Island, and Trumpeter Point was uh, chosen as the best residential community on Vancouver Island. How many units was that? There were 67 houses. Okay, and, how's that? And 17 were on the lakefront. So I did everything uh, to create, be part of the creation of the riparian areas yeah. for the uh, working the with lake, the BC. Really important, yeah, yeah. Working with the BC government because there's two other guys in the province and we were the guinea pigs for the government at that time. So, and the stormwater, uh, I wanted to put the stormwater into bios wells and keep them out of the storm drains, mm -hmm. but the municipality only let me do half of as much as I wanted to do and we created uh, the bioswales that dumped into three man-made ponds and to filter all the silts and then when the water got to a certain height then it went into the lake yeah. but it was all uh, cleaned well, that's up really really highly technical you have to know what you're doing no? well you gotta, you gotta uh, hire the right people yeah, yeah. and uh, it's it funny when i sometimes say i make speeches and i make a mistake and i say oops um, that's okay but you can't say oops and that the thing has to work it has to work <laughs> and, it, and uh, i had a i was in australia and we had uh, in november in uh, i think it was about 2006 2005 the worst hundred year storm and we had just planted the, all the riparian area <laughs> and the storms hit in November and I was just fearing for this phone yeah. call that, yeah, that didn't you know, there was $110,000 worth of native yeah. plants in the lake. Oh, gosh, yeah. And, uh, but it worked out. It worked out and uh, nothing happened and everything worked as planned. And uh, So what, what project uh, was, was the... Um, the, the, the point uh, development was that your most memorable one? That Trumpeter Point because yeah. Trumpeter's Point first started out with 42 acres that my dad purchased in 1969 and here's a good example 42 acres 2,000 lineal feet of waterfront with a 3,000 square foot uh, house modern house for $110,000. <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> the whole thing. So there was no sewer uh, there. So my dad subdivided about uh, 20 acres into half acre lots. And at that time, um, the uh, perk tests were uh, good at a minimum of two feet of permeable soil. We had about three feet. The Health Act changed in 1975, and we could not carry on yeah. with half-acre lots. So we waited uh, till the sewer line was built for a uh, project, big project called the Properties, which was on the mountainside of, uh, to house 1,250 homes. And the uh, sewer line was built on Maple Bay Road. At that time, that was in the uh, early 90s, the municipality wanted, we didn't have any houses on the lakefront, they wanted a 100-foot strip uh, running 
parallel with the uh, lakefront as a potential walkway around Quamichan Lake. And uh, at that time, I said that'll never happen. It just over my dead body was the words <laughs> I used. Um, 1986, my mom had passed away at 54. A year later, my dad asked me if I'd be interested in buying him out for the remaining 24 acres, and I said, "And then of you course. have developed that since." And then it's yeah. it sat till 1998. Sometimes okay. waiting is a good thing, though, right? Because the markets change. Well, the markets change, but the biggest the wait was because so I was not given up the waterfront, mm -hmm. and there was a a mayor that was a businessman that came in and and you saw the opportunity and also it, you, you created a beautiful project and it actually enhanced the whole area what's really interesting they did that uh, type of a subdivision in Lake Cowichan and after a, a couple of years the developer went back to the town and said I can't sell these lots because of a walkway being in front yeah no it's okay. very difficult it's very it? difficult yeah. I mean how do you control dogs and whatever so they removed yeah, that know. and so but it was worthwhile waiting for right? oh there's you know. there's no <laughs> doubt about it I mean uh, the uh, lot we just uh, sold one lot the last view lot for 230,000 yeah. and Remember, that's 10,000 square feet and that Pip bought the whole thing for, for 110 <laughs> with the house this was just well, a lot tell me when you you call yourself a green builder so what does that mean what do you do you paint the house green or <laughs> no, no. Uh, we actually fill out a form that uh, we need to fill out for Built Green. There's a uh, organization called Built Green, and to make sure that uh, one that we use the products locally, yeah. two uh, the best insulated pro uh, products, and the best heating and cooling system, and we were up with, uh, varied with points. And once we built that, they would come in and do what we call a blower door test. So they would mm -hmm. put in their door, in the front door, and put in a big fan in the door and that would pressurize the house. Then they would walk around with a smoke pencil. Oh yeah. Okay. and. The first places they would check is the exterior plugs, okay, yeah. or the bottom window sills, okay, okay. That's right. And the heat escapes and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, as soon as you see that uh, yeah. blue smoke uh, going away, yeah. then uh, you have a problem. We, we have a problem. So we make sure you know that everything is uh, properly uh, cocked, and uh, behind the exterior boxes, we put in a plastic boot. And then plastic on top of it, so there's no air leakage. Um, our houses now uh, are in the uh, platinum area, and to be in the platinum, you got to be at ninety six percent. Okay, we we were fortunate; we hit gold, a lot of gold, but we've tweaked it, and uh, we're now in uh, platinum. Well, and it is also, I mean, it's a sales feature. Everybody is thinking green nowadays, but it is also really helps the environment, and that's why you can call yourself an environmentally friendly. Builder, right? Exactly. Now, what are your future plans? <laughs> My future plans? Well, we're doing a project in Courtney, and uh, we've probably got a, about a year left on that, a 33-unit project. 
and I'm working on another project in the city of Duncan for uh, 21 townhouses and I haven't thought past that. Uh, I'm 67 years old and... You're a baby. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's in, in my business, being self-employed, I can't just say, okay, July 1st, I'm going to stop, yeah. right? Now it doesn't work. And okay, so you're, you're now the, uh, the elder statesman in your business then, let's say. So what do you, you say to a young guy or young gal coming along and wanting to start building or developing? What is the things they should watch out for? What should they do? Well, the first thing is work in the field for a couple of years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, know, know the trade. Uh, anybody that goes to uh, a tech school and doesn't have any... Uh, work experience in the field doesn't understand sometimes the difficulties and we're finding a lot of building inspectors are that way <laughs> they come right out of the school they're yeah. a building inspector and yeah. you know they don't know what a two-headed nail is right <laughs> yeah. so uh and work with a company and just keep working and i am uh, right now uh, the new company that I started is Nikon Homes. That's two years ago, and I brought in my project manager as a twenty percent holder uh, of the uh, shares, and I'm mentoring him. He's forty years old, and I'm mentoring him. So, in the next few years, he's running the project up in Courtney uh, and doing a lot of stuff that I used to do up there. Well, then and that's, that's good for them and it's good for you and also if they have their own piece of the pie then they're also more motivated. To well, exactly. You know, yeah. before when you don't have a, a piece of the pie, yeah. you, you, you don't have that sense of feeling when that's somebody's right. in your back pocket. Well, it's, it's, well, it's a job, right? It's and, exactly. and now it's an opportunity and maybe I can grow. Yeah. And, you know, the credits that are due back yeah. to the lumber yard, yeah. they're picked up and looked after. They're not thrown in the Exactly. Pile sort of exactly. Thing. So and that's all that, that makes the difference between a successful project and a profitable project at the same time. Look, Nick, I'm so happy that you took the time to come out and, uh, and talk about it. I have had the privilege of uh, knowing you for a few years and, and have seen what you built. Most of all, the way you care about stuff. And, and what you told our listeners today is really, that's how the reality is. You've got to make a mistake. You've got to get dirty, you got to swing that hammer. It's funny when I tell young people uh, in our groups about renovation, I said when I renovated there was no such thing as a Home Depot where you could buy kitchen cabinet doors. I had to have a four by eight sheet, I had to cut it into four and I had to make four doors out of it, right? And so in your business of course it's something far more than that. You have to understand the relationship to the land, what you're building, the new bylaws, the public wants to have green so you you are to be recommended so i'm signing off if you're interested in any other ozbuzz uh, interviews go to ozbuzz.ca and you can also download the ozbuzz through itunes and several other uh, opportunities you can also see the blog at jurok.com j-u-r-o-c-k.com or go there at ozbuzz.ca thank you